Hey, um, we've been talking about, in this series, we've been talking about taking a step. It's your move. And I was thinking about, as I was putting together a Father's Day message, I was talking about what that looked, for, looked like for fathers. In Romans 8 and 29, it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the image of his Son. When the Lord saved you, he wasn't done with you. That was the beginning. And from then, he began to take you on a journey to become, as we just read, to be conformed. God is taking us on a journey, our lives, to be conformed to the image of his son. We are changing. We are growing. We are transforming. We got saved, but we're changing every single day. And he has a plan for your life. God's plan is to take you on a journey step by step to become like is his son. So it's always important that we talk to ourselves and we say, hey, what is my next step? Where is God going to take me in the next season of my life? What does it look like over the next three or four years? Let's begin with prayer. Let's kick it off. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And thank you for every father of every family that's represented here today. But we honor you, our Heavenly Father, today also. Bless us as we receive of your word in Christ's name. And everybody said, look at your neighbor one more time and say, Happy Father's Day. I want to kick off today's message a little bit different. I want to begin by reading you a tragic tale of a king and a princess daughter. There was a king who had many daughters, but he had one daughter whom he favored above all because she was the youngest. This youngest, most beautiful daughter would go on, or would one day go on to be queen. However, the princess longed for a different world than hers. She longed for a different life. And every day she looked for ways to run away from her wonderful life within her father's kingdom to live in another part of the world. And one day while visiting the place that she longed to live, she happened upon a young man whom she briefly met, and it was love at first sight. Even though her friends around her tried to stop her, she decided that day to find a way to run away from her life, her world, and find the young man who captured her heart. So she sought a way and found someone who would help her escape to the land where she longed to live. This person was a wicked old woman who had certain connections and certain powers to give the princess what she wanted, but it came at a high price. The wicked old woman took advantage of the princess. For lack of a better term, this princess made a deal with the devil. She so wanted to leave her life that she signed away her fortune, her talent, and her life and the opportunity to be part of her father's kingdom. So she left the protection of her father and went to a land far away and found the young man who she fell for some time before. For a season, her life was fun and exciting, like a fairy tale. But soon things changed and got worse, and her plans didn't work out like she had planned. Then it was time to pay her debt to the wicked old woman who she owed. The princess could not pay. Her father, the king, found out about the situation and tried to pay her debt for her, even undo the deal. But this contract could not be undone. While the, when the girl couldn't pay, she would have to spend the rest of her life in prison. The father, the king, could not let this happen. So in an act of love, he took her place, and the kingdom fell and was lost to the wicked old woman who would name herself queen. 
We find out that this was her plan all along. The wicked queen wanted and knew that if she attacked the princess, it would make the king vulnerable and he, she could take the kingdom for herself. However, not long after the wicked queen was in power, she was assassinated and in time, the king regains his kingdom and his power. The king, knowing what his favorite daughter went through to leave him and his kingdom with great hesitation, decided to let her go or to let go of his most loved daughter and allow her to become part of another kingdom and another part of the world. So they embraced and said their goodbyes. And although they were never part of each other's lives again, the king thinks of his daughter every single day and looks out for her from far, far away. The end. You might have heard this story before. This is the Little Mermaid. But it's from a father's perspective. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All those little rebellious princess stories, that's not the way the father sees them. You know what I'm saying? That's not the way a father sees them. You know, God has given men and fathers a role to play in families. And we want to honor them today. And we want to speak to them and possibly challenge them. If you have your Bibles or your tablets or however you look up or your, your journals, I want you to go to Genesis, the 35th chapter, and the 16th verse. Genesis 35 and 16. We'll read that in just a second. There seems to be a growing feminist way of thinking that men are becoming less and less necessary. Anything that a man can do, a woman can do better. If you're married, you know that that's true. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good at a lot of things. If you know me and hung out with me, say, oh, Travis, he's not really good at a lot of things, but he's pretty good at a lot of things. You might think that until you hang out with my wife and myself together, and you find out, wait a minute, she is she's a lot better at stuff than he is. That, that was kind of, because I was always proud of the fact that I'm really good at stuff, but I meet my wife, and, and it's like, she's better at every single thing, except I'm, I'm, I'm better at the more important things, like, you know, riding bikes, jumping. You know, playing back the really important things I'm better. Actually, I'm, really, I'm better at all of the things that she's just simply not interested in. <laughs> However, there is one thing that women can never do better than men, and they can't even come close, and that is to be a father. Nothing takes the place of a father like a man. You might be a strong woman. You might not even need a man in your life. That's good if you're single. But if you have plans about raising a family, if you have plans uh, to be married one of these days, there is no substitute for the male influence of a present, strong father. And that's what we're talking about. In Genesis 35 and 16, we're going to read there, says this. Leaving Bethel, this is the story of Jacob, Rachel, and her having her, her son. It says, leaving Bethel, Jacob and his clan moved on towards Ephrath. But Rachel went into labor while she was still some distance away. Her labor pains were intense, and after a very hard delivery, the midwife finally ex exclaimed, Don't be afraid, you have another son. Rachel was about to die, but with her last breath, she named the baby Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. The baby's father, however, called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem, Jacob set up a stone monument over Rachel's grave, and it 
can be seen there to this day. Now, let's talk about real quickly what we can grasp from this story. I believe that one of the main things that you can grasp here and what we're talking about is the importance of a father's presence, a, a, the importance of a strong father's presence. In fact, I think it's one of the greatest impacts that we as men, we as fathers can be. But uh, just, just to be there. Be there, maybe not all the time, but be there for the critical moments in the lives of our families. Specifically, to be there in the defining moments of our kids. I don't want you to miss that. I'm going to be talking about that more. To be there in the defining moments of our children. We see this exemplified in this story. Rachel, who would immediately die after giving birth to her youngest son, names her son Ben-Anai, which means son of my sorrow, or basically it would be something like this, I am sorry that I had you. Now, it would be enough burden if, 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 if your mother were to pass away by giving birth to you. That might be something that you had to work through if you've had to go through something like that. God bless you. That's not your fault. But imagine get, being given a name which means and reminds you every time somebody says your name all day long, is, it is a reminder that your mother was sorry that she had you. That's what she named him. Now, let me pause just for a second. As parents, we must be careful what we communicate. I don't care if you're a father or you're a mother. We have to be careful what we communicate to our children during moments of anguish. We have to be careful. When, when we're down, when we're depressed, or we're going through a separation or a divorce, we have to be careful because when we hurt the most is when we hurt the most. Are you with me? And a lot of times, what we go through and what we hurt, we place that on our children if we're not careful. And if we're not careful, we will pass on our unhealthy perspective of life through our moments of anguish. Rachel would never mean to destroy her son. We know this by who she was. She was just at the lowest point of her life. So she names him son of my sorrow. But Jacob, he buries and mourns his wife, Rachel. And then he steps in and he renames his son Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. It's basically naming him son of my, my favored son. He immediately changes his name. And when he does, Jacob plays a, an important role in the destiny of Benjamin. Not because Jacob was a perfect father. If you read about Jacob, you know that he was not perfect. He was not a perfect person, but he was there at the right time and it affected a destiny. Listen to me. If we're there for our defining moments, we affect the destiny of our children. Fathers have the ability to impact the destiny of a child when they are present in the defining moments of a child. Did you hear that? Let me read it one more time. Fathers have the ability to impact the destiny of a child when they are present in the defining moments of a child. A moment when a son needed him the most the identity moment of this son, Jacob, was there. You know, sometimes I believe that we as a society, sometimes we fail to realize the role of a present father in the home. Is it all right if I just honor fathers today? I think that as a society, we, we, we shortcut this. We fail to realize the importance of a role. I was, I was reading a, a continuing education article this past week as I was putting this message together. The name of it was A Father's Place. The importance of a male involvement in early childhood development. And there were 
12 dimensions discussed, and I'm not going to talk about 11 of them. I just want to specifically talk about the role of masculinity within the home. To a child, the first role model of masculinity comes from the father. The article opens up a little bit with some of the difference between fathers and mothers, and it was kind of comical because you think about this when you're a father, but one of the big differences is the way mothers and fathers play with their children. When a mother plays with a child, a lot of times they will use a doll or they will use something, and they will be very, very careful, but a, a father is very physical, and he uses his body, and he roughhouses, and he throws the kid up in the air. Turns out this is something that children need. It's not that, uh, it's not, it, it's, it's, it creates a balance in the life of a child, and they grow up functional and healthy. That's just one of many things. Another thing is a father is more concerned about the future. He's more concerned about giving his, his son or his daughter life lessons. Uh, for example, when kids play games with their parents, mothers usually let their kids win. But fathers don't. Why? Because they want to dominate their kids? No, it's because we're concerned with life lessons. Here's, here's, if you're a father, you know what I'm talking about. You want your son to beat you in basketball, but you're going to give it all you got because you want, to learn, you want him to learn how to lose. You want him to learn that, hey, if you're going to beat somebody, it's going to be an accomplishment. You're always thinking about life lessons. And I, as I was reading that, I was thinking about myself. It's, my kids refer to these life lessons as unsolicited advice. You're going to miss that one of these days. You know what I'm saying? But another thing is, is uh, as far as the difference between fathers and mothers, fathers are very much concerned, a lot more concerned than mothers with work ethic. Work ethic. It just adds balance and it talks about the differences. But specifically, this article talked about masculine identity comes from the father. Now, masculine identity within the home can be toxic or healthy, but it's learned from the first male they come in contact with, and that's usually the father. The father is usually not only the first, but also the most significant male role model in the life of a child. And it helps children form the ideas of what it means to be a man growing up in a household. Sons and daughters both learn this from their father. That's how important a role of the father is. Gender identity is typically fully developed by the age of three or four years old. A father plays a significant role in gender identity when it comes to, when it comes to the role of his example of being a healthy father that exhibits masculine behaviors. Healthy masculine behaviors, especially in the preschool years. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew that, that our identity as sons and daughters was wrapped up in the eyes and the arms and in the words of our fathers? That's how important the role is of a father. We as fathers, we have the responsibility and we also have the privilege of showing our families what a godly man and a godly father looks like. Amen? However, if we're not careful, instead of being present fathers, we as fathers, if we're not careful, we can become what I, what I call AWOL fathers. Now, you've heard of the AWOL acronym. In the military, it's a military term, absent without leave. Uh, basically, what that is, you leave your, or you abandon your post of service. I, I got a different acronym, okay? A stands for absent not, uh, not there for the defining moments. I'm going to go through these kind of quickly. You're not there for the defining moments. You're not there when your kids need you the most. You're absent. I'm going to back up and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about how we can go uh, do something different. But right now I just want to read these. The W in AWOL 
AWOL father is weak. It deals with a matter of leadership. He might be present, but he's inattentive. Uh, mother does everything. This is usually the father that's usually portrayed on our televisions or, or at the movies. Usually a father is like, he acts like one of the kids. He's kind of like worthless and, and uh, he just, you know, just kind of in the background. He's, he doesn't lead. Basically, as I said, he's one of the kids. Oh, and AWOL is overbearing, too high of expectations until our kids suffer from performance anxiety when they're around us. Overbearing to an extreme but can become abusive. Another sign of an AWOL father is that he is loveless. If kids experience discipline, if they experience leadership and punishment and correction and there is no love, they will one day grow up and be rebellious, angry adults because they never experienced love. And listen to me, an unloving child can be one of the greatest threats to our society. Are you with me? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm with him. If a healthy functional identity is given from a strong, present father, what happens when kids have an AWOL father? If our, if our identity comes from our fathers, from a healthy, masculine role model in the home, what happens when we have AWOL fathers? In my experience, and I can't speak for everybody's experience or your experience, but in my experience of the people I've talked to as I've pastored, Every person I ever talked to who struggles with identity usually had AWOL father issues in one of these areas. Every person I ever talked to. Maybe you have struggled because you had an AWOL father, maybe, or you have AWOL, AWOL father issues. Uh, but you can change in your life just because you struggled in areas because of the way that you were raised doesn't mean that you can't make changes in the future. So let's talk about how we can change. As fathers, we don't want to be absent. We don't want to be weak. We don't want to be overbearing. We don't want to be loveless. What do we want? Well, number one, instead of being absent, we want to be what? Present. It's not going to be hard, guys. When we're talking to guys today. You got to make it simple, right? Instead of being absent, we want to be present. Look at this. Genesis 35 and 18, it says, with her last breath, she named her baby Ben-Oni. We, we read this earlier, which means son of my sorrow, the baby's father. However, called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. And we're not going to throw any shade on Rachel. She was dying. This was a terrible situation. And Jacob, when he heard this was going on, didn't run into the tent as his wife was passing away and said, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to straighten this out right now. You see, listen, guys, being present in the life of your kids is a matter of timing. You see, there's a difference in being always available and just being present in the defining moments of our lives. Uh, because of what I do for a living and because I've always had a, a side hustle, I've already got, always got something going, I don't just do this, I have not always been able to always be available in the life of my kids. If you're one of the parents that you don't miss a game, you don't miss one thing in your life with kids, man, you, you, I, your kids are going to appreciate that. That is not my life. It's not because I haven't chosen to. Well, I guess it is. But I've, I've got a lot of things going on. Plus, I work weekends. How many of you know I work weekends? I work weekends. When you're shutting down on Friday or whatever, my weekend is picking up. So I work all week long and I work weekends. So I've had to talk to my kids throughout the years and say, listen, I'm not going to be able to be at every game. I'm not going to be. And not, not to mention that people's emergencies become my life interruptions a lot. So I've had to talk to them and I'm saying, listen, this is, and if, you know, if you were to talk to them, they would never say, my dad was not there. They would never say that. 
although I was not there at every track meet or everything that they did in school, but I was there for the critical moments and I was there for the defining moments and I was even there when they probably didn't want me to be there. It's about timing. I want to say this. If you're a single parent here, your job is part of being there for your kids. It provides them a way of life. And here's what we need to do from time to time. If you don't do this, I do this a lot. I remind them of what I do for them. I remind them that they cost me. Okay? I don't do it. I, I, I let them know that I, it, I do it lovely and I do it for free and I, I love it. But I remind them. We need to remind our kids that, that part of us being there for them is the fact that that we have to work sometimes. Your job is part of praying for them every single day before they leave the home. Praying with them, giving them and helping them on their spiritual journey is being there for them. Here's what I want to say about this. Stop feeling guilty because you have a job and you have a life that doesn't revolve around your kids. That's, that's the, that is the, the, the temptation of today's families. Your life revolves around everything your kids do. I'm not so sure if that's what we should be teaching them. Be, here, here's what I would tell you. Be very selective and be very strategic in order to be present and also be attentive. Be strategic and be selective about your timing if you can't always be there. Number two, instead of being weak, guess what we're going to be? Strong. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old or when she is old, she will not depart from. We are, we are here for a window of opportunity to train up kids so they will get. Right? So they go. Not because we want them away from our lives. Man, if I could do anything, I, I could build, I'd build a great big house and keep everybody around. But that's not very healthy. They got to grow up and they have to go and get, they have to get their own family. That comes from, their ability to do that comes from the strength that we give them as fathers. Just like a mother's influence, there is no substitute for a father's influence. Listen to this statistic I read this past week. When a mother comes to Christ, her family will join her at church 17% of the time. But when a father comes to Christ, his family joins him 93% of the time. Why is that? Because God created man to be the leader of, home, of his home, and he puts something in the life of his family that his family wants to be led by him. You have this, now here's what happens a lot of times. He kind of steps back from his role of, of leading, and a lot of times women who have the ability to lead, because they're better than guys at most things, they will step into that role. But there is no substitute for a man leading his home, especially when it comes to leading his home in a spiritual sense. You believe that? Say amen. So be strong. Train up kids to go so they can handle today's life. Lead your family in spiritual matters. Don't just tell your family. Lead your family. Lead your family in work ethic. Lead your family by example in integrity. Be an example. Instead of being overbearing, we're not going to be AWOL fathers. Instead of being overbearing, we're going to be encouraging. Amen. Ephesians 6 and 4 says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, this is my biggest struggle right here. Can I just be very transparent? I have a tendency to be overbearing, not abusive. Uh, I've, ne I've, I've never, 
I've never laid a hand on anybody that didn't take a swing at me. But I, I would, I don't, you know, I'm not a violent person, but I can be overbearing. But you would have to know who I grew up with. I grew up with a, with a very ornery Italian mother. And she was very, I mean, she was very strict. I remember uh, in church, before there was children's church for kids that were, you know, about 10 years old, I sat down at the end of the row with my friends. Man, you didn't talk in church. You did not talk in church. I remember, you know, 10 years old, we wore suits back then. I had a suit on. 10 years old, sitting on the end of the row, and I, you know, say something to one of my, one of my friends, and you, I just hear this, except like three times that loud. And then the whole row would go, and then she would look at me and just go. And it just, it just turned pink all over, like, oh, the snap, the snap. And I try to tell my kid, but how many, how many of you probably, you got to be at least 40 years old. How many of you were here, were raised by a pretty rough baby boomer? Can anybody say that? I was, I, my, my dad was pretty, my parents were kind of, my dad was mean. I just, I just said, I remember I was at, and I try to tell this because I, sometimes I just don't feel sorry for my kids. You know what I'm saying? When they go, you know what I'm talking about? I, mean, I don't want to be overbearing. I want to remind them. And, you know, they've had to have a talk with me. Dad, you, gotta, you just got to be nicer. And I'm thinking, you know what I sound like? Am I not being nice? I thought I was being nice. Can I say that any nicer? I remember I was out in a boat with my dad. Just to give you a little picture of, I was out in a boat in the, in, at the lake with my dad, and I did something that made my dad almost fall out of the boat. And he turned around, and he says, you do that again. You pull that stupid stuff again, I will throw you out of this boat. You know, when you're, when you're you know, now that sounds terrible that somebody would say something like that. When you grow up in that, you don't think that way. You think, I better shut down the stupidity because I don't want to swim to shore. You know what I'm saying? That was just part of my life. You don't feel sorry for yourself. You just, my dad was no nonsense. You know, you, if he stepped on your foot, you didn't move your foot. You just let him step on it. You know what I'm saying? It just, my dad was very mean. And I was raised in this environment. So I grow up, you know, I grow up in this, this, this you know, potentially abusive. Son, go shoot the dog. I don't want to go. Son, go. Sh you know how many animals I shot on the farm? You know, it's just a very strange environment or whatever. And then I grow up and now I got kids. Listen. When you get onto your kids, I've had talks, when you, 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 you got to stop scaring them to death. There's a way to get on you without making them fear for their lives. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Calm down. Be nice. Okay, here's your $700 your phone, $700. Here's your $150 Nikes. Is there anything else I can get for you? Don't get me started. That wasn't even in my message. I remember we were at the table one, one, uh, one day, and Baylor was, I, I can't remember exactly how old Baylor was, and uh, he goes, Dad, all of my friends get allowance. Is it okay if I get allowance? You know, they, they, hang on, let me put my fork down. Allowance, a.k.a. free money. I got your allowance. I allow you to live here every day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I allow you to live up there in that room that you're living. I allow you to have your phone. I allow you to eat my food. I got your allowance. Now, I've, I've, had to, I've had to be not, this, well, this is when I was in my 30s. I've, I've, I've grown up a little bit, okay? Uh, and I, I I'm just being very transparent. 
I've had to back off of, if you're not careful, you will, ra you will raise angry children. Are you with me? So anyway, what are we going to do? We're going to be patient. I'm preaching myself. Patient, encouraging, and supportive, and overall just be kind. Lastly, instead of loveless, we're going to be what? Loving. Loving. Psalm 127 and 3 says this. It says, children are a gift from the Lord. Read that with me. Let's back up and read again. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. Children are the most perfect gift for showing us a love that we have never experienced. Would you agree with that if you're a parent? There is a dimension of love. I'm not saying that I love my kids more than, I, I don't want to even get off in that, okay? But it is a dimension of love that you've never experienced. When I was, uh, when I was uh, courting, my, when I was courting my, my wife, I was having conversations with Carter. And, uh, you know, there's, if, if there's a situation like this, you've got to spend some time with, you, with your future stepson. And I would always tell him, I'm like, listen, Carter, I want to tell you something. If it ever comes down to choosing between you and me, listen, man, if you line us up on a wall, it'll always be you. Always be. Just remember this, Carter. It will always be you. And if you talk to her, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, that's the way mothers are. That's the way it is. You know, that, that'll never come to that, of course. But what I'm saying is it, it, it's not that you love more. It's that you love differently. And it shows you a, a child is a perfect gift because it gives you a love and shows you a different dimension of love that you've never experienced. The Bible says that children are a reward. Children are weapons like arrows in a young man's hand that you shoot them at. They will fight for you one of these days. Here's what I want to tell you about this. Love is learned as we as fathers practice it in the home. Now, you can say, well, I love my kids, but, you know, it's important that we express love. And this is not always easy for people that were raised from baby boomers or, or whatever. And maybe, you know, you are a baby boomer or whatever. It's, it's not always easy. But I can tell you this. If you don't hug your son, if you are not affectionate with your son, you will raise up a son who, has, who will struggle with intimacy. If you don't hug your son, you will raise a son that will not want to hug. You, are you, you hear me? It is learned and practiced through as they, as, as they watch fathers. If you don't date your daughter, guys, you will raise an insecure daughter who doesn't know how to talk to men, who, doesn't know, who, who won't necessarily stand up to them, a loving father raises and sends out loving kids into the world. But they become loving as we not only love them, but we show them and express love towards them. You believe that? Say amen. I'm going to close with this. I want to tell you to look for days, or look for ways every single day to express love. Fathers, there is no substitute for your role within the family. It is a gift, but it's also a responsibility. And I can tell you, whatever happens in the world in the next generations, it comes back to how we raise our kids within the home. Yes, it's a responsibility, but remember, it's also a gift. Now is not the time to be AWOL, but let's be present, let's be strong, 
let's be encouraging, and let's be loving. Amen? So, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. What an incredible opportunity that we have to speak to men today. I pray, Lord, that you will speak to every family, every father, exactly what needs to be said. In Jesus' name, as your heads are bowed, the first thing I want to do is I want to pray for fathers. If you're here and you're next to your father, you're next to your husband, I'd like for you to take that husband, that father by the hand, and let's pray for them. Thank you, Lord, for fathers. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of fathers. None of us are perfect. All of us have struggles. But, Lord, remind us of our calling as fathers. Remind us of, of the gift of fatherhood. Children are a blessing. Children are a reward. And you've given us those. And we thank you. I pray, Lord, that you will heal every heart of every father that is, that is broken. If there was an injury, if there was a hurt, if there's a disconnect, if there is a relationship in his family that's not right, whether it's with his parents or with his children or with his wife, I pray, God, Lord, that we seize the opportunity and we take responsibility for what's going on. And you, Lord, you will heal fathers today. Help us to take on our role of leadership. Help us, Lord, to realize that we are our Father's Son, our Heavenly Father, in Christ's name. If you believe that and receive it, say amen. If you continue to bow your heads. Lord, I know that there are people here that, that don't have their fathers in church with them today. Some of our fathers are not with us. Some of our fathers have gone on to be with you. Your word says that you are a father to the fatherless. Lord, for anybody that might be hurting today, the loss of a father. And I pray, Lord, that you will wrap your arms around them. Bring them comfort. Help us to realize and also believe that one of these days we will be reunited with our families and our fathers in the name of Jesus. And Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, anybody that needs to come home to give their lives to you, I pray, Lord, that they will do this in the name of Jesus. As every head is bowed and nobody looking around, if you're joining us online, if you can say, Travis, I'm not right with the Lord. Travis, I don't live for God. He's not Lord and Savior of my life. I want to lead you in a prayer. Maybe you're watching this online and that's, that's the way you feel. God, uh, God is not a part of my life. Maybe you can say, Travis, I've never given up my life to Christ, Lord. Travis, I, I gave my life to Christ, but at some point I walked away from him. Well, I want to tell you something. He won't walk away from you. And if you would like to rededicate your life to Christ, that's what we can do. And I'm going to pray. And as we pray, if that's you, just say this prayer with us. I'd like to know if anybody's here. If you're here and you want to give your life to Christ with nobody looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come down here. I just want to know if I'm going to be praying for anybody. Real quickly, say, Travis, that's me. I'm going to give my life to Christ as you pray. Just put your hand up and put it down so I know I'm praying for somebody. Can anybody say that? See your hand back over here. Anybody else? See your hand in the back and put it down. Anybody else? Just so I know. Okay, we're going to pray. See your hand. 
We're going to pray, and as we pray, just pray this with us. And even if you didn't raise your hand and you want to give your life to Christ, let's all pray together and come home to Jesus. Just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, as I am before you today, I give you my life. And Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. Please forgive me for all of my sins. Wash me clean and whole by your grace. From this moment on, my life is committed to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Guys, just celebrate.